Northside family, great to be with you today, especially if you're online. Thanks for making time. And can we just thank God once again? We're doing this series of blueprints for a rebuilding year and to see Bud and Stacy's lives be transformed. You know, this is what it's all about. I love that their life group is over here cheering them on and that really what they do and how they live is the fulfillment of what we're gonna hear about today in the book of Nehemiah. You know, last weekend we talked about how when God rebuilds us, nobody rebuilds alone. That that's not the way God created the church. That's not even the way God created man before Adam sinned in Genesis chapter uh, two. God says this, that it is not good for man to be alone. That we don't thrive by ourselves. We don't thrive in isolation, but we thrive when we work together when we come together and we find our purpose in Jesus and we live according to his ways. And that's why I love the book of Nehemiah. What we're going to be looking at today is in chapter four, because last week we talked about that, how he spent all of chapter three listing 38 different names of all the different people who were part of it. This is what makes the church incredible. And like Caleb said, I want to invite you into being a part of the life of the church, that you and I make time to serve one another. You know, we get to serve in our life group. I help lead our life group. And I love the people in our life group and making time for them. And yeah, you know what? It takes time every Thursday night. And you know what? I just started this last week. NFL football, you know, and you know what I missed? The first half, right? And there's sacrifices to serving, but here's the deal. It is so worth it because the relationships, the transformation, everything that happens in the life together. And God is inviting you and I into this. And I just want to invite you today. If you haven't begun serving here, if you're looking for ways to contribute, and I know some of you are going, Nate, I don't know what I'm good at. I guarantee you this, our staff will tell you what they think you're good at. And typically it'll be wherever they're serving. And they're like, we think you're good over here. Come serve with me. But out in the living room, we would love to connect with you. Or, or on our website, we got the Serve Finder. You can see places to, to serve here in the building. We got places outside our campus at our different community partners wherever it is, but God knows this. He's calling you and I to serve. He's calling us to step out of our comfort zone, to sacrifice for each other. But here's what I know. Even just talking about it, some of you, and I talked with one gentleman right after the service. He said, Nate, I love it. I love that this is God's plan to include us all, to bring us into his plan, to rebuild, to invest our lives to the other. And then he just, he literally just started breaking down in tears. He said this whole last week, he said, I feel like all I've been under is attack. All I, he said, I feel like all that Satan's reminding me is why I'm disqualified, of why I can't be a part of this, of all my errors in the past. And he goes, and I've been a Christian for over 20 years. And he goes, it seems like this week, man, there was just all these things that kept coming up, kept creeping into my mind. And one of the things we're going to look at today in Nehemiah chapter 4 is this, when you and I start taking steps of faith, when you and I start responding in obedience to Jesus, we need to expect something. And oftentimes it's the thing we least expect when we follow Jesus. But Nehemiah in chapter four, he gives us a heads up that this is what we need to expect, that when you and I follow Jesus, when you and I take steps of obedience to him is this, you can guarantee that there's gonna be opposition that comes up into your life. For Bud and Stacy who just got baptized, celebratory day. But I can guarantee you this, sometimes Satan's gonna want them to fight right, this week, right? Somebody's not going to put their laundry in the laundry basket, right? And all crazy is going to break loose. And this is what Satan loves to do. He loves to distract us. He wants us to just be distracted from the mission. He wants us to be at each other. For some of you on the way into church, I've talked to some people before. They go, Nate, I was getting my family up today. The dog puked on the carpet. My kids were acting crazy. They said, I was just yelling at my kids, quiet down, we're going to church. And then they realized what they were saying. They're like, boy, I need church today. 
And sometimes, man, you have experienced it already this morning. Opposition. And oftentimes, this is why opposition takes us back is this. We forget or we don't think that we'll face it as followers of God. But I got to let you know, because we're in a sinful world, you and I are going to face it in our journey with Christ. Jesus even tells his disciples this. He said, hey, listen up. The world has hated me, and if they hated me, guess who they're going to hate? The world's going to hate you. So get ready for this. Understand there's opposition coming your way and my way as we follow Jesus. This is exactly what we see in Nehemiah chapter 4. What we're going to find is this. Nehemiah is going to show us the way to handle opposition when it comes up in our life. We need to know God's way of handling it because oftentimes here's our problem. We handle opposition the way we want. And have you ever tried to handle it your way and you made it worse? Okay, just me? Great. Okay, great. Yeah, right, you know? And here's what happens. I start handling opposition my way. And, man, I just keep digging a deeper hole. Right, I start doing these things and man, I, I just, I, I go, man, I'm making things worse. And listen what Nehemiah does. In Nehemiah chapter four, things are rocking and rolling. It's incredible. They're going back. They're rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. God is rebuilding his people like he's doing today through Jesus. And then chapter four, verse one, it says this. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates, and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life? Can they rebuild from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? If even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. See, what you find Nehemiah facing is this. He is doing this great work for God. He's rebuilding. He's got a ragtag group of guys. He's fired up. He's pumped up. God's doing a great work. And the first thing he encounters is this. As soon as he gets to work with everybody is opposition. You need to know that the first thing you and I will experience this week, great, this is Sunday, all, we need to expect opposition tonight. You better believe Satan wants to steal your joy that you have today for coming here. That's what, that's what Jesus said. He said, Satan has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's what he's come to do. But then Jesus says this, but I have come so that you may have life. And then he says this, and have life to the what? Anybody remember? To the full. See, I've come so you can have life. I've come to rebuild what is broken in your life. Nehemiah responds to these threats and he shows us how we respond to opposition. Listen to what he says in verse 4. First thing he does is this. He's got armies surrounding him. He's got people taunting him. He's got people making fun of him. In verse 4, this is what he says. First thing he does, hear us, O God. First thing he does when opposition shows up is Nehemiah just begins praying. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn our insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. He's going, God, I can't deal with this opposition. Would you deal with it? God, would you help me with what I face right now? First thing he does, he doesn't respond to them. He starts talking with God. And what we find today is this. This is what he's pointing out. And this is what God wants us to learn through his word today is this. Is that when you and I face opposition in life, this is what God is trying to teach us. To understand that opposition is an opportunity. That opposition is opportunity. 
And some of you are like, Nate, that doesn't sound like a great opportunity I want. I know, we're going to look at what it is because God has an opportunity for you and I today. Because here's what happens. When opposition comes in, here's what Satan loves to do. As you look at this passage, what you find is this. Sanballat is attacking everything about who Nehemiah is. He's attacking his identity. You feeble Jews. He's attacking who he is. This is what Satan attacks Jesus in the desert when he goes to fast and pray to start his ministry. He shows up and what Satan says to Jesus is this. Hey, if you are the son of God, if you are who you say you are, why don't you turn these stones into bread? The first thing Satan's going to do is this. When he comes after you, he's going to attack your identity. You can't serve there. They don't want you. God doesn't want you. Here's the problem. We believe the lie. That's why Jesus says, Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. Jesus says the truth is what will set you free. And what happens is in this moment, Satan is attacking his identity. He's attacking his abilities. He's attacking his productivity. And he's hitting with questions and on and on again. And it's not one time. You know how opposition is. It comes in waves, doesn't it? It just keeps coming. It keeps pouring on. In verse 8, this is what it says. In verse 8, it says, They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to stir up trouble against it. Samballot doesn't just make fun of him. Samballot calls all of his friends. He sends out a group text because we all hate group texts, don't we? Right, you know, and he sends out a group text and he says, hey, everybody meet me here and we're just going to make fun of Nehemiah. We're going to threaten him. We're going to intimidate him until he shuts down And even in verse 12, it says this, that the Jews who lived near them came and told us, Nehemiah says, our friends came and told us 10 times over that wherever you turn, they're going to attack you. Hey, Nehemiah, wherever you're going to go, they're going to kill you. Thanks, friend. Very encouraging. Not what I needed today. This is the way Satan loves to work. He loves to distract. He loves to divide. And he loves to get you and I to a point to be done, be done with God's work in our lives and not just be done with God's work in our life. Here's what he wants you and I to do. He wants us to look at others in our lives and say this, I'm done with you. Satan loves to get us off mission, to begin to focus not on connecting unconnected to people, to Jesus Christ, but to focus on anything else. He loves to divide. He loves to just separate all this other stuff. On Thursday night, I did the fatal flaw before you go to bed. I checked my email. Anybody ever done that, right? Right, you're just saying, hey, before I go to bed, I'm gonna check my email, right? And there it was, the email that set me off, right? 10 o'clock at night. Maybe for some of you, it's not at night, but it's right before you go on vacation. You get that one last email. You're gonna put away all the email. And before you do it, that email shows up that just ruins your vacation. That's all you can think about. And at 10 o'clock this last Thursday night, got an email because next week, a couple of us are going to a pastor's conference. And not only are we going to a pastor's conference, because we love to keep learning. They've asked if we would come and volunteer to serve the other pastors. We not only love serving you, we love serving other churches and other pastors. We're like, absolutely, we'll be there. Well, on Thursday night, I got an email from one of the people who run, you know, the operations and they got miscommunication. And what they got was this, that we were no longer coming to the conference and we were no longer going to serve at the conference. And so this guy just lit me up. He's like, 
what type of pastors bail on the last second and leaves us high and dry and this and this and this. And I read this at 10 o'clock at night and I get up, man, and I just start pacing the room, man. And my wife is like, what are you doing, man? I'm just like, and I have my phone and she's like, are you okay? I'm like, not now, right? And I, just, I mean, I just start firing. I wrote five emails, deleted them all, right? That's what you learn. You never send that first email. And I'm like, oh yeah, you don't think we're coming? Well, not only are we coming, we're also doing this and we're doing this and we're doing this and we're doing it for free, right? And I'm just letting this guy have it, bah, 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 bah. send in the name of the Lord. You know, and I'm like, I was like right, bless that email because Lord, I don't know if you're in it. And, uh, and then what do we do when we send an email like that? We sit around for the next half an hour waiting for them to respond for the email, don't we? Because we already have like four responses lined up. And if he says this, I'm going to say that. And if you're going to go this route, I'm going to go this route, right? And I'm like tearing him down, blasting him. You didn't do this. We're doing this. Here we go. Thanks for making me not feel alone. All right, you've checked your email at 10 o'clock at night before. Here's the response I got back. Oh, our, my fault. I misunderstood. Have a good night. Couldn't sleep. Couldn't sleep. I'm fired up, man. I got all this adrenaline going. Ready to box this guy. Misunderstanding. Then about literally about midnight. I'm like, what am I preaching on again this weekend? Opposition. Opposition. Man, I'm telling you, it happens to all of us, doesn't it? Here's the thing. Emails come and it blows us up. Words come into our life, totally distracts us. Man, I had put so much, I had read so much emotion into that email. I had taken so much offense to this guy's misunderstanding. Ruined my night. Ruined my night. One of the worst nights of sleep I've had. All of opposition. Surely Satan wants pastors to hate each other at a pastor's conference, doesn't he? That's what he wants. He wants me to show up hating a guy at a conference that I'm supposed to learn how to love more like Jesus. That's what he wants. He wants you and I to show up at work. He wants you and I to show up in our families. He wants you and I to show up in this community bitter and full of hatred. That's what he wants. Divided, distracted, Done with everybody. That's what Satan wants. Come to kill, come to steal, I've come to destroy. But Jesus, I've come to give you life, a life to the full. See, this is why Nehemiah, we've got to take this so seriously. Nehemiah is pointing the way for us. He's revealing what it is. Matter of fact, Paul talks about this. Too many times we think the enemy is the email or the enemy is them. Paul clarifies who our real enemy is in this world. Listen to what he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 through 13. He says the enemy is not the person on the other end of the email. The enemy is not the email. He says this in verse 12. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That was my mistake Thursday night. I thought my enemy, I thought the problem, the struggle was that guy. Problem's not them. But it's against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's who our enemy is. And does it manifest through different people in different situations? Absolutely. We have to see beyond the situation. This is why Paul goes on to say this. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when that day of evil comes, not if that day of evil comes, but when it comes, when it shows up, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. 
See, what Paul is saying, what Nehemiah is doing is this. When he begins to pray, it's not just to pray that it goes away. What he's doing is he's putting on the armor of God. I'm armoring up. Opposition's coming. I'm praying myself up. I'm giving myself to the Lord. One of the things you find is this, that Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples, can't get a hold of this truth. When the Roman soldiers show up to arrest Jesus, the first thing he does is he cuts off one of the guy's ears. He thinks Jesus is trying to create an army to take over the world. And Jesus goes, Peter, that's not what I'm doing. That ain't it. It's not us versus them. It's not the battle. I'm going to the cross to defeat evil and death for all time. I'm going to take on the real enemy. And 20 years later, Peter, this guy who talked a big game but couldn't back it up, 20 years later, what he does is this. He continues to follow Jesus and he grows and he allows Jesus to transform him. And then he writes this in 1 Peter chapter 4. God begins to change him from the inside out. He begins to see the opposition as opportunity in his life. And he writes this. 20 years later, he's a different man. He writes this in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12. He says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. See, this is what hits us. When opposition hits, it surprises us. He goes, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised as though something strange were happening to you. This happens to us as followers of Jesus. Then he goes on to say this, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed through your suffering. See, Jesus is always able to bring joy no matter what opposition you face. And he goes on to say this, because if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and God rest on you. Here's what's happened in the life of Peter. Some of us, myself included, I look at that and I go, man, I want to grow to be that mature. Man, I want to grow to be a man who puts on that armor. Who the first thing I do that when opposition hits me is I pray. That I don't respond back, but I go, oh, mm-mm, mm-mm, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. That I begin to pray. This is what Peter does. This is what Nehemiah does. See, here's the opportunity that you and I have when we face opposition. It's this. This is what we find in the life of Nehemiah. That you and I have the opportunity to hear God's voice in the midst of our opposition. That God wants to speak to us in our pain. That God is with us in our heartbreak. All throughout Nehemiah chapter 4, when he faced opposition, and chapter 8, when all of them surround him and everybody comes after and attack him, this is what it says in verse 9. First thing he does, he does it again. But we prayed to our God and we posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. He prayed and then called security, right? You know, but this is what Nehemiah is doing. He's going, God, opposition showed up. I'm going to pray about it because I want to hear your voice. God, I want to listen to you no matter what I'm facing. Over in chapter 6, it says this. Verse 9, it says, they were all trying to frighten us, thinking that their hands will get weak for the work and it will not be completed. And then he does it again in verse 9, but I prayed, but I prayed. And this is what he prayed, now strengthen my hands. There's a spiritual discipline that grows us in our prayer life. It's called breath prayers. Here's what a breath prayer is. Just one breath, you pray to God. Nehemiah does it. He's facing opposition. They're trying to crush him, and he just says this, God, strengthen my hands. I should have prayed that Thursday night. God, strengthen my thumbs, right? You know, just, or maybe freeze my thumbs, right? See, this is what, this is what it looks like to pray. You don't need to pray long half an hour prayers to God, breath prayers. God, 
Help me not to lose it today at work. God, help me to forgive my spouse. God, would you help me to be a compassionate dad today? God, would you open my eyes to see who I need to serve today? Breath prayers. Breath prayers. And what happens is God begins to work in the midst of this. C.S. Lewis, the great theologian, says this about hearing God's voice. I love this quote. He says this, pain insists upon being attended to. I know everybody in this room and everybody watching online, we all go through pain in life. We all have some pain in life right now. Pain insists upon being attended to. And this is what he says. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciousnesses, but he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God wants to speak in our pain. That's why Nehemiah prays. God, I'm going through pain. What do you have for me? God, I want to rely on your truth, not just my truth, not just my opinions. God, I want your truth. Question for you and I today is this. When you go through opposition, what voice do you listen to? What voice do I listen to? See, when opposition comes up in our life, it is an opportunity to hear the voice of God. It's an opportunity to hear the word of God. It's an opportunity to hear the spirit of God, to be led by God, to be filled by God, to walk with God. And some of you are going, well, Nate, I don't know. I don't know if he can handle it. Here's what happens in the life of Nehemiah is this. He hears the voice of God, and then this is what happens. He begins to see God at work in his life. That when you and I make ourselves available to say, God, I want to hear you speak. God, I want your word to speak into me in the midst of my opposition. We begin to see God at work. This is what happens in verse 20 here of chapter 4. It says this. He reminds the people, he says, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there because our God will fight for us. You need to know that today that God is fighting on your behalf through Jesus Christ. He's fighting. He's fighting our battles. That's why we sing it. When I feel surrounded, I'm surrounded by you. That God, I don't face my oppositions alone. That God, you are with me. This was the promise he gave his disciples. After he gave them the great commission, he ends it with this. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. And here's what happens. When you and I do that, we get to see God at work. When you flip over to chapter 6, what we see is this in verse 15. We see God do the unbelievable through opposition. They complete the wall. They complete their goal, even though people want to kill them and take them out. In verse 15, it says this. So the wall was completed by the 25th of Elu in 52 days. They rebuild the walls, a ragtag group in 52 days. This is how God works. He works in unbelievable circumstances. And then it said, when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and they lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. God wants to do an incredible work in your life and in my life. This is what Nehemiah is saying. He's going, I didn't rebuild the walls by myself. God did. And God did it through the opposition that I was facing. See, no matter what you and I face today, God is going, I can overcome that. That is what the cross is all about. He overcomes the opposition, but he overcomes it with the help of God. This is what I love about this is that God is always at work in our weakness. Next week, I get an interview 
One of my uh, uh, pastor uh, mentor guys, his name's Dr. John Walker. He's a Christian psychologist. He's counseled over 4,000 pastors, good family friend, always get wisdom for him. I don't want to just listen to my own wisdom. I need other people's wisdom and allow God to speak to me through them. And I get to interview him next week at the pastor's conference. And I said, hey, John, you know, what, do you, what do pastors need to know right now? And then he told me this, and I was quiet for a little bit. But this is what he said. He goes, pastors need to understand this right now. That in the midst of rebuilding and all this other stuff, he said, you need to aggressively pursue your weaknesses. I'm like, John, is there anything else you want us to hear? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'd rather not. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, I'm not talking about your skills and where you're weak if you can't administrate or if you can't do this. Or, he goes, I'm not talking about your skills. He said, if you want to see your life change, you need to aggressively pursue your weaknesses. He said, because here's what's happening. We're over-relying on our leadership skills. He said this, we are overly being controlled by our circumstances and emotions. And we're overly listening to the opinions of others rather than the opinion of God. Aggressively pursue your weaknesses. Why? So God can rebuild you. Not so God can shame you. Not so God can make you feel an inch tall. No, 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 so that God can build you up. See, this is the incredible opportunity you and I have of being the church of God, that we come here together as broken people who find hope in Jesus that changes everything about us. But here's how God wants us to live. I love how Nehemiah does this. This is why it's so good that we read God's word as this. One, we hear God's voice, we see God at work, and then Nehemiah gives us this call of what he did and this is changing the way that I'm looking even at how we operate as a church. Listen to what he says in verse 14. He says, after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people. After all the opposition is around him, armies are around him, people want to kill him, but he's trying to be faithful to God. He said, after I see that, he goes, I called everybody together and he said this to him. He said, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of the opposition, but remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And then he says this, and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. For too long, I thought Christianity was a passive life of faith. Just, just try not to sin and maybe you'll go to heaven. What we find is this, the more we look in the life of Jesus and the more we see in Nehemiah is this, God is calling you and I to fight for God's people, to lock arms and to think about those around us and to fight and to stand up and to sacrifice for them, to lay our lives down for each other. Notice he says fight for because we're good fighting with people, aren't we? Right, some of us, we think that's our spiritual gift. What is it? To fight with people. No, 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 right? Even this week at our men's challenge, our retreat over at Country Lake, I went there yesterday morning to preach at it, and I showed up, and on one side it said, man up, north side, that was our theme. Well, on the other side, right next to it, it had another church, and their theme was called man up as well. And I told the guys, I said, hey, our theme's man up. There's another church here on this camp. Their theme is man up. So we're going to fight at lunch. And we're going to see who's really manned up this weekend. No, you know, we didn't fight them, right? That would have been weird, right? In the name of the Lord, right? We're going to clothesline you. But here's what happens. A lot of times, a lot of times we think we're just to fight with people. Nehemiah says this, we're to fight for people through prayer, through coming alongside. 
That's why the baptism was so powerful today with Bud and Stacy. You know what we saw? We saw a life group who's committed to fighting for each other. What was amazing is 10 years ago, we got a chance to interview David Beamer. David Beamer is the dad of Todd Beamer, who was on the flight of United 93. We got to go to his house and talk with him. And if you remember that story about Todd Beamer, Todd and a number of other individuals on that plane made a decision to fight for our country, to fight for the lives of who were at risk. And in the interview, we asked David Beamer, what was it that made Todd ready? And I think a lot of you guys remember that popular phrase that he said his last words on the transmission was this. What? You guys remember what he said? Let's roll. What was it that created in Todd a desire to say, let's roll? Listen what David had to say. The world and, and certainly America remembers 9-11. It's a very important day. It's a marker in our history. We now talk about pre-9-11 and post-9-11. For me, I think a vitally important thing to remember is, uh, is the day before. What about, what about September the 10th? Uh, who remembers that? Todd and Lisa were in Italy on September the 10th. Todd had earned an all-expense-paid, you know, sales incentive award trip to Italy with Lisa. They came home on the 10th. He got up real early that morning to go back to work. He had a very important meeting in San Francisco at Oracle headquarters where he worked. He had, I'm sure, in his day timer that he was had a, an important meeting at 2 p.m. He had a flight to catch early that morning. Those were all in his day timer. He also, I'm sure, had in his day timer because he was a very organized guy. The time for his flight to come back home on September 11th, because his plan was to take the red eye back from San Francisco to Newark and have breakfast with Lisa and the boys the next morning. I also know what he did not have written in his day timer was meet God at about 10 a.m. The real biggest blessing we have is that Todd Beamer was a Christian on 9-10, the day before. As we, as we think about 9-11, um, it's really all about the day before. And so all of us have a chance because we live in this land of liberty to decide what to do with this God-man Jesus Christ. Uh, we all have that free will and choice to make. Uh, and it's the most important decision that any of us will ever come to. What a powerful phrase. The Todd had a faith to stand up on September 11th because of his faith on September 10th. What Todd was committed to was this, the way of Jesus. A way of committed to fighting for other people. Through prayer, through coming alongside of them, through picking them up, through walking with them no matter what they're going through. See, this is the beauty in the midst of the ashes that we face in our life sometimes is that God works through his church to come alongside and we fight for each other. Fight for each other's marriages. 
fight to protect each other's kids. We fight for our community. We want people to thrive in our area. We want people to know Jesus. And we come alongside and we bless. We love. Even when people persecute and even when people come against us, we continue to be for people because that is who Jesus is for us. He's for us. What I want to invite you to do right now is, would you stand with me? Here's what I want to invite you to do. We're going to do two things. We're going to pray here in a second. But as we pray, this is the two things I want us to do right now. First thing is this. I want us just to take a moment to pray and do just a breath prayer. What opposition are you facing right now? That you say, God, I need your help. God, I'm not going to look to my opinion. God, I'm going to trust your opinion. I need your help in this situation. And we're going to pray for God's help in our situation. Whatever it is that you're carrying with online, whatever you got going. And then here's the second thing we're going to do here in a moment. One, we're going to ask for God's help in our opposition. But the second thing is this. We're going to take a moment. And we're going to fight for some people through prayer. And we're going to pray for others that we know who are facing opposition right now. Because that's what it looks like to be the church. The church just isn't about us. It is about us coming alongside others. And so right now, I just want to invite you, even if you're at home, just watching online, if you would, just bow your head with me right now. What I want to invite you to do right now is to be honest with the Lord. Maybe you've never even told him about the opposition that you feel like you're facing because you feel like this whole time you've had to face it alone. And today Jesus is going, you've never been alone. I've been with you this whole time. And right now, I just want to invite you to be open with your Savior, to tell him where you need help today and the opposition that you face. Let's talk to him right now. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers. God, maybe for some in this room, this is the first time they've maybe prayed to you in months, maybe a year. And we thank you that you always listen to our prayers and that you're with us. And right now, God, we want to fight on behalf of those that you love. And God, we want to pray for those right now who are facing hard situations in life. God, right now, we want to lift them up. Right now, go ahead and lift whoever it is that's on your heart before the Lord and ask for him to work in their life right now. Jesus, we thank you that you've made us for something so much bigger than just ourselves. That God, you gift us through the power of your spirit. You call us to a bigger purpose. You have a bigger plan for us and your plan is you and your kingdom. And so Father, I pray right now as we long to be faithful and we face opposition. And so Father, sometimes we fail and you pick us back up again. Father, today I pray that you would do a new work in our hearts and our lives. Father, that we would see the people that you long to redeem. Father, those who are overwhelmed, God, may we be mindful servants of you 
And may we love others like you love us. And Jesus, we only do this because what you did on the cross for us. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus. And everybody said together, amen. Amen. May you go and fight for others well today. God bless you all. We'll see you next weekend.